0: Next week we'll transition into some during uh, Advent season and do some Christmas stuff. But we will serve communion next week too. By the way, so all right, it's going to be really appropriate after today. So I, I'm going to share this. Um, uh, this first part will be repeat, but this was a um, this was a revelation the Lord gave me. Uh, Really, it's been going on for about two or three months, but it finally came to like really together about two weeks ago. And I was out of town and I uh, was doing a revival, and it's like, I, I was like, I am not want to share this there. I didn't have clarity to share it, or I didn't have permission to share it where it's at. I felt like this is a wordsworth church because what we experience this morning and what we're experiencing as a church is fueled by one thing. And that's intimacy with the Lord. Come on. That's it. That's the driving force. Right. And like, like you've heard, you need a personal relationship with the Lord. You need a personal and a public relationship with the Lord. But it needs to be intimate. That's
1: right. Amen.
0: Like if all I ever did with my wife was like, pleased to meet you. I'm so glad you're here. Like that would be weird to have a marriage just like that. Right? It would be weird to have a relationship with the Lord where we're like, good to see you, sir. You know, I mean, it sounds really silly. But that He has so much more for us than that. Amen. Okay, Amen. Isaiah sixty four one. This has been the theme: is oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Again, this is review. But Paul writes that it's to your advantage that I'm writing this to you again, so that basically he's I'm really paraphrasing here. So that you become what you hear. Amen. See, too often times, and by the way, this is what we repeat here, too often times we say, give me a new word, give me a new word, give me a new word, rather. And what we really need is to become the word that we've heard. That's right. yeah. 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 See, when we, when we when we read our Bibles, by the way, I don't read this thing so I can learn more. I want to learn more, but I don't read it so I can learn more, so I can rattle off stuff. I read it so I can become what I'm reading. Amen. Yeah. All right. So, so when we share stuff here, it's like we're not just sharing stuff. Like I'm not. I'm, I'll be honest. Like I am so free of thinking I have to preach X, Y, and Z during particular times of the year. Oh, I want, I want us to share what the Lord wants us to become. All right. So this Isaiah 64:1 I believe is becoming a foundational verse. It's like Matthew 6:10, on earth as is this in heaven. But Isaiah 64:1 says, "Oh that you would rend the heavens and come down." And rend again. It means would you tear heaven open, would you split it apart? Like that's crazy, it's like, would you split heaven apart and all the contents that are in heaven, all the contents that are in heaven, we're asking for like the bottom to fall out. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. And then it's like, well, what what's in heaven? Well, he is. There's lots of amazing things that are there. We'll talk about some of those things today. But we're asking, Lord, would you split heaven open And then come down. And again, we've talked to you that the phrase come down means, Lord, would you come down and lay prostrate on the earth? And like, that's not just like asking the Lord, would you come down? Like, like I picture like getting in the water. You're like, oh, the water's cold. You put a little bit of touch. We're saying, no, Lord, come down and lay flat on the earth. And actually, I believe I told you last week that. I believe it's a picture. Would you rent the heavens and come down? I believe it's a picture of the Lord. If this was the earth, it's the Lord coming down like this and just wrapping his arms around it, which is Psalm 91.4, that the Lord surrounds us with his pinions or the Lord surrounds us with his feathers. And that's that's Habakkuk 2.14, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And again, review it is weird that we want the glory of the lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea i mean the sea is made of waters and we're saying we want the waters to cover the sea and again i believe that the lord wants no distinguishable difference between the earth and his glory the lord wants to fill this church the lord wants to fill this city with so much of his manifest presence not his omnipresence, presence because these all places at all times but the Lord wants to fill the earth with so much of His tangible, weighty presence yes. that people say, whoa. I <laughs> like, I like, whoa. Like, they may not even know what to, what to say. They may not even know how to articulate it. I mean, it's like sometimes when I pray for people in public and the Lord touches them and heals them, sometimes they say cuss words. But guess what? That's the only thing that they know what to say. Right. And so they're like, whoa, what is this? That's like, that's like Moses and, and in Exodus chapter 40, when he's about to enter the tent of meeting, and it says that the cloud was there so thick that he couldn't even enter into the temple. We're saying, Lord, would you come down to such a degree yeah, that we can't yeah. even do anything because yeah. we sense that you're here. Which is also a picture of, I think it's Exodus 33, when the Lord says, show me your glory, and then the Lord says, I will cause my goodness to pass you by. Amen. So, I, and it's different words, but I love the fact that the, the Lord said... I'll show you my glory, but what's my glory? It's my goodness. And so we're saying, Lord, would you rend the heavens and come down? We're saying, Lord, would you cause your goodness to come down to such a degree that it leads men unto repentance? Right? We're saying, would you cause your goodness to come down to such a degree that people see your good works or see our good works and begin to praise our Father who is in heaven? Which is James chapter, what is that, one or two? You'll have to, two James 2, so. (laughs) I know it. She knows (laughs) where they are. We want the Lord to come down, and we want the Lord to remain. But by by the way, when we say "come down," we want Him to. John fifteen, sixteen, seventeen talks about the abiding abiding in the Lord. We want the Lord to abide here. We want the Lord, Old Covenant word, we want the Lord to tabernacle here, which means to to dwell and to remain sir saying would you read the heavens and would you come down <coughs> all right so we believe that the lord is actually opening heaven up okay and he is starting to come down like we've seen trickles if you will but i uh, like we want just <coughs> deluge, right? Come right it's like malachi chapter 3 malachi chapter 3 but the, the infamous tithing passage says that you know don't withhold your tithe and, and if you don't withhold your tide, see or test the Lord in this, and see. And I'm really butchering the scriptures. So I don't want to paraphrase, but He says I'll actually uh, open up the windows to heaven and pour out blessings upon you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, He's saying I'm going to pour blessings out by opening the window. And, and so Isaiah, I think, had a greater revelation. He said, "Just tear the whole thing open, so you come." Uh-huh. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. So, so we believe heaven's opening, we believe that the Lord's moving, we, we, we see this, I mean tangible fruit is there's people actually changing in this congregation, if Amen. you will. Like some of you are getting much, much deeper, and, and I don't say that as an insult, I actually say that to the glory of the Lord, like yes. you're getting yes. closer to yes. God, which yes. is a good thing, which by the way, it doesn't matter if i followed Him for two days, or if i followed Him for 50 years, there is always more, there's an inexhaustible yes. well of His glory and His goodness It's like, I just, I'm like, Lord, what's it going to look like when I'm 75, 80 years old? Like, like how? I won't even, I wouldn't even come close to exhausting the goodness of you. And then when I get to experience the rest of eternity in heaven, then it's just going to be like glory after glory after glory after glory. And I'm thinking that's going to be amazing. Come
1: on.
0: So here's this picture of Isaiah saying, "Split heaven open and come down." And then then it says that the mountains might quake at your presence. And again, we've talked about that, but I believe that's God coming down to such a degree that darkness things begin. Like there's that song, that you make the darkness tremble. But we're asking the Lord to come down to such a degree that mountains begin to quake at the very thought of Him coming down. (laughs) We need His presence to come. I mean, like it's like, well, why do we need His presence? Why, why do we need Him? Why do we need His manifest presence? Why do we need the glory of the Lord? I, I, I mean, let, let's just be very candid for just a moment. There is systemic racism in our country. I mean, you understand racism did not stop when slavery ended, right? It didn't, and it's actually getting more and more tense every single day. And by the way, it doesn't matter what color you are, they were all created by the Lord. And so, if you're a racist, right. you need to repent. All right. Come uh-huh. on. You too, Internet. <laughs> there, needs to be, there needs to be an end. We need the Lord to bring healing to systemic poverty. And Jesus said the, po- the poor will always be with you. But, but we need the Lord to begin to bless us to such a degree that we can help those that are in need, right? Yes, those yes. orphans, yes. those that are in prison. Like We need the Lord to do this. Yeah. All right, and some and a lot of poverty is actually a mindset. Now I understand. So hear me out on this one. Again, some poverty's mindset It's like, well, I'll never have this. I can never get it. I can never. I can never. I can never. And ending systemic poverty is like, look, all the glorious riches of of Christ Jesus are available to you, and will be met in Him and through Him. And so. So we we need to teach people that you really can't experience John 10:10 10, 10, the abundant life. We need to teach people that you don't have to live with this this beggarly spirit, if you will. Now Jesus says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God." Well, it's like I live I like I have nothing without you, but with you I have absolutely everything. Like we need the end of that systemic paradigm. Like we need and, and like if you want to talk about issues, like. We're praying into systemic abortion, where it's common in nature. But like We want the Lord to begin to say, you know what? We, we want God to move in these. We want the Lord to make these things illegal, which I said this last week. But then if we start praying for those things to close down, we need to pray that the Lord yeah. speaks to people yeah, to begin yeah. to take kids in. Yeah, yeah I Okay? I'm not saying any of us are called to do that. I'm saying we need to be willing. And I'm saying that we need to think that mind frame. Like, Lord, raise people up that are willing to do this. Alright. Now, here, here's here's the transition. And so here's the new, I think, the new like thing for me. We've said, would you rent the heavens and come down? See, we ask him to come down, but then I also believe there's a response, and this will sound really weird. I'm just gonna say and get out the way. Like, okay, so but we ask him to come down, but there's also an element of us going up. Yes. And so, so what, what, what? Really, what I'm going to share is the difference between free will and sovereignty. By the way. So, so we ask the Lord to come down, which is a sovereign move of the Lord. Because even if he tears the... It's like, I'm not going to be like, Lord, I'm tearing heaven open. Like, you understand, I can't tear anything open. It's him tearing it open himself, right. which is a decision of his part, all right? That's the sovereignty of the Lord. A lot of revival is actually a sovereign move of the Lord. But then there's a lot of it that is perpetuated by our hunger and thirst for him, yeah. which is... Those are the verses we love to quote here. Because, like... I believe that part of what the Lord's doing is because He wants to do it. But I also believe a big part of what the Lord wants to do is actually dependent upon us wanting Him to do it. Like, what the Lord's doing here, I don't think was necessarily a plan just for River City. But the Lord was like, I'd like to do this here, 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 here. It's just that we're learning to say yes to what He wants us to do, all right? And so that's the draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Well, I want God to draw near to me. That's a prevenient grace. He speaks, but then I have to take that step and draw near to him, right? It's, it's it's seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I want the blessings of heaven. Well, let us begin to seek first the kingdom of God. So so there's that there is that sovereign move of the Lord, and then there's that free will part, which is us. Which, by the way, it's not... it's. Be careful here. It's not anyone else's job to make you hungry for the Lord. Come on. It's your own job. It's like in Acts chapter 2 where they all got tongues as a fire that rested on each one of them. They all got their individual flame. And then Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you must faint into the flame that was given to you through the laying on of hands. Which means that it's our own responsibility to tend to our flame. Which would mean that if you come to this place, to this house, where the Lord's moving and there's amazing worship, in my opinion, there's amazing worship, people's out where it says, wonderful place where the Lord is dwelling. If you're coming here, and that's the only time that you're getting into the presence of the Lord. It's the only time that you're seeking after Him. It's the only time that you're praying. It's the only time that you're reading a verse which I haven't even put them up on the screen anymore because I think we depend on it too much. But if that's the only time we're getting into these things, guess what? Your flame is going to get diminished. It's like It's like the enemy will come and go, and you know, blow your flame out. Well, you know what? Like, I'm thinking, man, if I spend so much time with the Lord, and I'm not—I'm careful. I don't want to tell you how much time to spend with the Lord. I'm saying it's probably more than all of us are, all right? <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm spending time with the Lord, that when the enemy comes and goes to my flame— Wind does one of two things to fire it either snuffs it out or if it's big enough it causes it to spread. And so it's like get, you go ahead and mess with me buddy because guess what's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. You're going to cause my flame to get a little bit bigger. It's like you're building my resume right now. Amen. Amen. So we have this responsibility to go there. So turn to Revelation chapter 22 and this is I'm just going to read the first two verses, I believe, because I want to show you something that's really amazing. And then these two verses will be the jumping off point for life. But I really want to share. It says, Then this is John the Beloved, John the Revelator, same person. John then he showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb <coughs> which by the way if you if Old Testament you can look at this passage in Ezekiel 47 if in the <laughs> passage, in Psalm <coughs> Which is really crazy because now I'm looking at this And it says coming from the throne of God and the Lamb Ezekiel 47 says water was flowing from the altar So the Lamb's the altar But then he showed me a river of water of life Clear as crystal coming from the throne of God And of the Lamb in the middle of the street On either side of the river was the tree of life Bearing twelve kinds of fruit Yielding its fruits every month And the leaves of the tree Were for the healing of nations Now two quick things it says, "On either side of the river was a tree of life bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding fruit every month." <coughs> so, so in heaven, there's actually no seasons.
1: That's right. Like we That's have falling on the screen here, That's right.
0: but it's always perpetual bearing fruit, which is Psalm one when we talk about proximity in this church. And so, so there's this tree. There's these trees that bear 12 kinds of fruit. And not only do they bear 12 kinds of fruit, they actually perpetually bear fruit. I want to be a people that perpetually bear fruit. right? That's us, that's us getting planted by the river. Right? But right here is what's fascinating. And the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. So, like, I'm not the brightest guy. But I'm thinking, Lord... Why do you put the leaves that heal the nations? Why do you put those in heaven? Like, why don't you put those here on the earth? Like, track with me for just a moment here. <laughs> like, if, if, if there's something that this world, like, if there's something that can end systemic, systemic means it's just part of the system and it's just so ingrained in the culture that this is the way it is. If, if Lord, if you could end systemic racism, Why would you put the leaves that heal that in heaven? And why wouldn't you just put that here on earth? Like, Why wouldn't you put it on the corner of Preston and Gilmore where I could be like, whoop, right? And be like, there you go. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? So we'll get to that in just a second. But it's interesting that those leaves for the nations... That bring healing are in heaven it would make more sense for them to be on earth because they are needed here again to heal racism poverty abortion whatever issue you can think of it's not going to be healed by some talking pundit trying to change things okay it's not going to be healed by the right or the left or the middle it's not going to be healed by it it's going to become because of the presence of the Lord and so we absolutely absolutely need those things so, so why are they in heaven? Here's my thought. Here's my thought. And this is, I say thought, this is really what I believe the Lord is saying to us today. They are in heaven because the Lord will only give those leaves to people he trusts. Yes, that's what does that mean? I mean, he only gives them to people he trusts. That's why sometimes you see people, the Lord begins to move in people's lives. And then... why sometimes you see very anointed ministries fall. Why do they fall? The Lord, they still operate in their gift. That's because the gifts of God are without repentance. And that's a whole other thing. Right. But the, they lose influence because they cannot be trusted with it because, because because I think if the Lord made that so easily accessible, we would make it about the leaf instead of about him. Yeah. Right. that makes sense? Yeah. 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 Alright. So, the Lord only gives them to those he trusts. So, why are they in heaven? Look at at Revelation chapter 4. So, if they're there, and he only gives them to trust, like, why are they actually in heaven? Revelation 4, starting with verse 1. It says, After these things, after these things, I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven. But, and but, like, that's crazy. So there's windows in heaven. There's doors in heaven. I mean, there's mansions. So there might as well be doors and windows. But anyway, so here's this door in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, "Here, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things." Immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was. A throne was standing in heaven, and one was sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting on the throne was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, and <laughs> like emerald in appearance. And around the throne there were twenty-four other thrones. And upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. And and so like here's John, and like I could go on. It's just an amazing, amazing picture. Here's John. And first of all, the Lord says there's leaves that bring healing to the nations, which means that there's these things there in heaven. He opens heaven up. There's these things there that are only there that could be the answer to every people's prayer on the planet Earth. They're actually there to bring healing to those things. And then who does the Lord do this to? He tells John, he says, come up here which means that we're saying, Lord, come down, but the Lord also gives an invitation to come up.
1: Come
0: on. So how do you come up? Well, you don't go up by going like this, you know, or is there some ladder I can climb up? That's actually Jacob's vision, angels descending and ascending on a ladder. But anyway, but, but it's not like trying to get up with a bunch of effort. You actually go up. You actually, whoa, you actually go up by going down. That's right. Come
1: on. This is
0: why prayer is so important in our individual lives. Not just corporately, but individually. You go up by going down. What's the scripture for that? He exalts those who humble themselves. Mm -hmm. He lifts up those that humble themselves. So the Lord says, come up here. And I'll show you. Come up means to ascend. It means to elevate. Which means that that, that and again, <laughs> I'm just using like we're here, but it means that the lower we place ourselves, and it's not false humility, because false humility is actually pride, but it's 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 placing ourselves before his feet feet and saying you're good you're loving nurse forever and and you have all the answers we have nothing we're bankrupt without you however you want to say it it's saying that we recognize that you have something that the world absolutely desperately needs and we're going to be willing to pay the price to actually go get that thing and by the way when he says come up here it means ascend elevate and the word here means come up to this place Well, which place is it the front room of heaven
1: Amen.
0: There is not a king on the planet Earth that I have permission to walk into their throne room. None of y'all do either, unless you're holding that on me. <laughs> There's not a king on the planet Earth who says, Michael Perkins, I'm going to roll out the red carpet for you, and I can be like, you know, when I walk down that, it's just not going to happen. With the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one that's seated on the throne with like 24 other thrones surrounding it, and there's a rainbow around the throne. Which, by the way, we need to be okay with rainbows again. Okay, right. something that he's trying to steal, but. But anyway, there's this rainbow around it. And then there's six-winged creatures who have all covered in eyes. It sounds like something straight out of a horror film. And there's these six-winged creatures covered with eyes who are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. And so there's, there's perpetual worship and all this stuff going on around the throne of heaven. And the Lord says, hey, you can come up here to this place. Like, that's wild. I mean, that's absolutely wild that he would invite us. Well, how do we know that we're allowed there? He says, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness or confidence in our time of need. Yeah. Right? Why? Because it's not because of the blood of bulls and goats, but it's because of the blood of the Lamb. It's because of the blood yeah. of Christ that's provided a way for us to go to this place. And so I'm telling you that if we want to be able to get those leaves, then we need to be the ones who's willing to get on our knees like, yeah. and ascend to the heavenly places. Amen. says, immediately I was in the spirit. <laughs> I love that by the way, too. It was like, <laughs> the Lord said, come up here. And John's like, I'm there. He didn't be like, oh well, let me work myself up to it. He's like, no. Abstract going right now. Immediately I was in the spirit, behold, a throne was standing in heaven. And one was sitting on the throne. So immediately, John was in the spirit and in heaven. And so, 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 John gets this glimpse of the Lord. Like I'm thinking, Lord, like I love, I love what I experienced this morning. I love, and again, it's not about the feeling because there was a time in my life where I couldn't feel anything from the Lord. I actually just had to believe that he was there because it doesn't matter what I feel. He's still there. Come on, right. that's right. It that was about an eight month season and the Lord's like, he took me out of that season. And so it's like, I still don't care. and was like, he's here. And anyway, but just getting all kinds of weird on you today. That's all right. See, immediately John was in heaven and he got this glimpse of the Lord. I'm like thinking, Lord, like I love the goosebumps and I love like just the whatever that is when they, you know, when you know God's here. Like I love that, but I sure would like to get to the place and it's not a place of striving. It's actually a place of surrender that allows me to catch a glimpse of it. I would love to catch a glimpse of you. I would love to catch a glimpse of you. So who does the Lord trust to go up to heaven? Because that's the other question. Right. Because he doesn't trust everyone with that. That's right. We didn't trust Judas to do it. He didn't trust Peter to do it. That's crazy, by the way. And like, we give we Peter a bad rap. But listen... Peter may have always had the habit of putting his foot in his mouth, right? But Peter actually got sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, he preached the greatest sermon that was ever preached. The most simple message was ever preached. And then 3,000 people said, what must I do to be saved? That's who Peter was, all right? Peter's also the one who got the revelation of... I don't have to just. I can eat whatever I want as long as I bless it in the name of Jesus, which is why y'all can eat a Big Mac and bless it in Jesus' name. That's for you, Missy. <laughs> Missy doesn't eat Big Macs. She always giggles when I say that. <laughs> who does the Lord trust to come up to heaven? I believe it's, it's two things: those who are intimate with Him and those who are rooted in beloved identity.
1: Yes. We
0: repeat that, those who are intimate with him and those who are rooted in beloved identity. What do I mean by beloved? Like we understand intimacy, but what do I mean by beloved identity? I mean that like the most important thing about me is that I'm his son, he's pleased with me. It's not that I'm a husband, it's not that I'm a dad. Like those things are amazing. It's not that I'm a pastor. It's not that I've written things. It's not that I get to travel and occasionally preach. It's it's not any of those things. The most important thing about me is that I'm beloved. He loves me. That's That's why in Luke chapter 3, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. That's why in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, when it says that all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized, right? And while Jesus was praying, the spirit of the Lord descended upon him like a dove and remained. Right? And then the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Which the only other sermon the Father spoke was this on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. It's the only thing the Father ever spoke in the New Testament was listen to Him and I'm pleased with Him. What would it look like if a group of people said, I'm going to get rooted in beloved identity. I'm just loved by God. Like you can't talk You can't talk me out. You you can Come call on. me a low down dirty rotten scoundrel. <laughs> I don't even think anyone uses the word scoundrel anymore, but you can call <laughs> me whatever you want to use. whatever you want it doesn't make a hill means to me. Right. I'm loved by God. You can't That's talk about right. it. Right. It doesn't matter what happens to me. It, yes. it doesn't matter if I get sick and I have dealt with some stuff the last week and a half, two weeks. It doesn't matter if thing it doesn't matter about any of that stuff. That's what right. matters is I am loved by God. Amen. Yes. That's right. beloved identity. Rooted in it means it's like You're not going to talk me out of it. Come hell or high water, it's not changing a thing. That's right, yes. So who does he trust? Those that are rooted in beloved identity and those that are intimate with him. I want to talk about intimacy real quick here. Maybe not real quick. (laughs) I've got time. Intimacy. John 13, 23. Now, listen, everything I'm sharing is about John, which is the one that saw the leaves for healing, so track with me. So it isn't like it's a bunch of different people I'm pulling from. This is one man's journey. So at the very end of the book, he sees his leave for healing of the nations. John does. He was the one that was told, come up here. Now, in John 13, John wrote the book of John, but in John 13, it says there was, there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, it's it's, it's, it's cultural peculiarity, so let me explain this for just a moment. Reclining means to recline for a meal and leaning into. And so, so what they would do, and I'll actually demonstrate this so you can get a picture, but what they would do, they didn't have like tables like that. They didn't have little buffet tables. They didn't have a big, long dinner table. They had tables that were low to the ground, and what they would typically do is that they would lay down on their left side, okay? They would lay because it because they thought you were weird or full of sin if you were left-handed, by the way. So you ate with your right. So they would lay down with their hand right here on their left side, and they would eat like this. All right? And so in John 13, 23, when it says there was one leaning against Jesus' bosom, so what they would do is they would have the guest of honor at one end of the table, and then they would have the next important person right here. And so here is... Jesus, I'm not Jesus, but here is Jesus for our sake today. Here's Jesus laying here, reclining at the table, eating. And John, the one whom Jesus loved, was laying right here. And all he had to do was lean back and say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for your goodness. All he had to do was lean back and whisper into his ear, and Jesus was right there. That was the position that John was entrusted to. I believe that position is available to us today. Okay. This is by like, I'm just thinking, man, if I don't have to if I don't have to holler ever again, if I can just lean back and whisper, I need you. I think that's pretty I think that's pretty stinking spectacular. So here's this picture of this intimacy, him leaning into him. So like I would always thought like he was doing this. Right? And that's just kind of weird sometimes. Right? It's like, let me let me bury my head in your chest. And like I get that sometimes kids do that, but this makes so much more sense. Because this is a posture. How many understand at like dinner parties? Like it was Thanksgiving this week, like they're loud. They're loud. And sometimes it's hard to have a conversation across the table because you can't hear because of all the loudness going on. But if he's right there, this far apart from me, and I can just lean back and you know, he can. Just lean forward and speak into my ear. You don't have to yell. That's a deep, personal, close relationship. And so the one that saw the leaves for the healing, the one that got the come up here call was the one that was reclined at the table next to Christ. I think that's very, very significant. I think it's very significant. And, and so this was this special place of honor. And again, we've talked about here proximity. We did that a few months ago from Psalm 1 1, which says, How blessed is man who's not walking in the counsel of the wicked, nor standing in the path of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And right here, he will be like a tree. He sounds very familiar. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields. It's fruit in it's season Which actually means it will perpetually bear fruit And his leaf does not wither And whatever he does, he prospers So there's these leaves in heaven This is getting weird But there's these leaves in heaven That bring healing to the nations And we actually get planted by that stream And we actually end up having leaves That bring healing to other people Proximity promises prosperity and fruit Alright, so this beloved identity Let's look at this beloved identity again. They, 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 they were they were reclining on Jesus's bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. There was reclining on Jesus's bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John wrote the book of John. It's like no kidding, right? He wrote first and second, third John, first second, yeah. He wrote those, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. Now he didn't just pin it the Spirit gave him what to write but here's this man that wrote significant books of the Bible and when he referred to himself he referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved you have heard me rattle this off when I pray sometimes but John didn't even say John the one you know he said he didn't even get his identity from Jesus loving him let me, let me rephrase that. He didn't get that. He let me rephrase that. He got his identity from Jesus loving him. He did not get his identity right. for what he did for Jesus. That's right, right. that's
1: right. Very right. good.
0: Some of y'all, it's like Mary and Martha. Some of y'all, Martha's in the doing ministry prep, work. Martha's making Jesus bologna and cheese sandwiches that he never even asked for. And Mary's just sitting at his feet listening to every word that came out of his mouth. Okay. Some of us need to quit making sandwiches for him and just sit there and listen to him. But John, he wrote this stuff, and he used this phrase, whom Jesus loved. Listen, listen, he used this five times, just in the book of John itself. He didn't even refer to his name. He didn't re- like, if I wrote a book, I would use, like, I would, uh, he didn't even say, I, or me. would not you hear that? He didn't even say, I, or me. It'd be like me, when I've written a book, like, there were, uh, and, and again, I ain't saying this to say I'm mad or good, I'm just saying, when I wrote a book, when I told personal stories, I used the pronouns I or me. John wrote a story about the life of Christ and said the one whom Jesus loved. Like I'm like, oh, I'd like to get to that point, right? Yes, come, on. come on. That was used six times in the book of John here. Uh, John 19, 20, I'll just write them off. I'm gonna read them. John 19:26, 26, John 20, verse 2, uh, 21, verse 7, and 21, verse 20. He revert again, he didn't refer to himself by his name, but the one whom Jesus loved. That was because he thought the most important thing about him was the very fact that he was loved by God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read this and okay? He gives healing leaves for the nations if we are so rooted in beloved identity that the most important thing about us is that Jesus loves us And the most important thing that I do is that I rest in you. That's it. it. I'm rooted. I'm beloved, and I'm and 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 my favorite activity is doing this. Don't get me wrong. I love going to Walmart and laying hands Mm -hmm. on sick people. Y'all know that. Mm -hmm. I love doing that's like like makes me come alive. But it's not more important than this. That's right. Come on. Because you understand, like. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't have anything to, right. to give anyone. That's Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Heal, sick, praise, the dead, cleanse lovers, cast out demons freely. You receive and I freely give. Some of us aren't really good at receiving.
1: And I'm saying that if
0: we're going to go to where the Lord wants us to do, if we're going to see revival in our city, which I believe leaves would be a representation of revival because it brings answers to people which is realistically what revival is. And sometimes it could be a physical healing or sometimes it could just be a salvation right then and there, but they all point to the same thing because sometimes people get healed and a month later they get saved because that healing opened up their heart to what the Lord wants to do. But, But so here's this picture of what we want the Lord to do in our city. And I'm telling you, it will not happen unless we're willing to be intimate with the Lord. Amen. It will not happen unless we're willing to be intimate with Him. I'm telling you, it will not happen if the only time we spend with Him is when we're in this space. And you may come want to on. come up here and pray all by yourself. Praise the Lord, glory, hallelujah. I hope you do. But I'm saying, you need, there needs to be times. When we're like, you know what? I'm just going to sit in your presence, and I'm going to listen to what you have to speak, yes. and I'm not going to have to yell and holler and anything else. Like, I love yelling and holler and I'm a loud prayer. I have no problems with that. But there are times where I'm just like, you're here. Yeah. And you're so good. I'm so thankful that you love me. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful because I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. And Lord, every time time I stand before this group of people, each week there's a little bit more people, and I'm very aware of my inability and my ineptitude, and they're looking for leadership and guidance, and the only thing I know what to do is to go get along with you it's like, Lord, I I, 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 I used to be able to come up with vision statements and mission statements. And I think those are things are important, Lord. But the only thing I really feel like I can do well is get along with you and talk to you. And Lord, if my life life would become an invitation for others to do that very same thing, I pray that's the case. Lord, you have so much more for each and every one of our people. And you have so much more. You have so much more for them, God, and some of them are on the edge of the greatest breakthrough that they would ever receive. But they're not willing to sit alone with you. And so, would you make them willing to sit alone with you, Lord, so that they can get what they need? Like I can counsel, I can rattle up Bible verses, I can I can give them what they need, or I can give them what I think that they need. But what they really need to do is they just really need to hear from you. Yeah. And so, I'm asking that you do that. Like you can be <laughs> that's my prayer life. And you can begin to get along with the Lord And he begins to speak to you I'm a mess right now man Because he's here And I feel like I'm holding back right now Because I really just want to be a snotty ugly crier right now <laughs> It all starts with this posture And let me say this Like dudes Some of y'all have trouble with that I'm a man, right? Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I'll tell you, more victory is won right here. You know what I found, too? Like, I love when the Lord changes circumstances. You know what I found, especially recently? It's like the Lord hadn't been changing my circumstances, but the Lord's been changing me. I love when he changes circumstances. That'd be much easier, right? Oftentimes he doesn't. Sometimes he delivers us from the fire, and sometimes he delivers us through the fire. But there will be no deliverance if we're not right here. That's right. There will be no deliverance if you're not right there. I'm just telling you, church. And if we're going to do what God's called us, like we have this amazing vision that we believe is from the Lord. To start churches, to train up other pastors and send them out, to be a house of healing for others. And, like, I don't say this in arrogance because, again, I don't feel like I'm good enough to do this. That's why I know it's from the Lord. But we feel like we're a house for pastors who can come and heal for a season and, and experience the joy of the Lord again and the goodness of God. And, and and see that people really can be hungry and and there's a different way and, and we really can be spirit <clears throat> led rather than pastor led or personality led you Or board like we really can be a spirit led people and, and, and they can come and get that healing. And then when they go into the next assignment, it's all completely different for them. Like, that's what I'm praying for this house. I'm praying that we plant churches all around our city and the dark places. Yeah. It's like where all the churches are closing up. It's like, we're going to go there. That's where I want to be. It's like C.T. said, the famous evangelist, he said that if I could if I could build a rescue house, it would be right next door to hell. And I would pull people out of hell all day long. That's what he's saying. Like, that's what I think the Lord's calling us to do. And so we have this here, but we want to be an apostolic, ascending church. i don't want to hoard the resources of heaven. I want to redistribute Come the on. resources yeah. of heaven. Come on. It all starts in intimacy. Yeah. It all starts with that intimacy. Now, here, here's, here's what I'm hearing, and this is what I wrote down. I told April I actually had, I had two distinct different ways to end today. And I think I'm going to go with this one, but I believe this is what the Lord wants. John 17, 3. This is what I'm hearing. I felt like the Lord said, there's only people that would think in their hearts, or you would say, and you say in your heart, if you understand, they would say, because I I knew it would be a mess this morning, sharing this, but people would say, I'm not you, I'm not emotional, I'm not this, I'm not that, and I'm not the other. And I'm not telling you you how to be emotional. You don't have to be a carbon copy of what I am. I don't want you to. (laughs) This is more than enough for the world, I promise you. (laughs) But the lifestyle's available. That's right. So when you say you can't do that, I'm going to say you can. That's right. Because the Spirit enables you. That's right. But John 17.3, this is mind boggling. John 17.3, John says, this is eternal life. What's eternal life? That they may know God. Hear my heart. It's not about praying to prayer to go to heaven. There's lots of people that pray the prayer that probably aren't going to go to heaven. Cool. That went over well. Come on. Like, the prayer is the invitation to the life. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know God. Like, like when, when, when March 15th, when we got married, like, it wasn't like I put a ring on my finger and I was like, that was good. Now what? You know? That was just the beginning of our journey together. So when you pray that prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I think it's a good thing. But when you pray that prayer, forgive me of my sins, that's just the beginning. It's the beginning of a lifetime of walking with the Lord, which is Genesis chapter, what, two and three, when the Lord went to go walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. They heard him walking through the garden, and that's when they sinned, and they messed that whole thing up. Like, Eternal life isn't just praying to prayer. Praying to prayer is the invitation into this lifestyle of saying, I need you. I can't do this without you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The word know, that they may know God, by the way, it doesn't say that they may know about God. There's a lot of people in the church, and I don't say this to condemn anyone. There's a lot of people in the church that know a lot about God. Some of y'all can rattle off a lot more Bible verses than I can. I'm not the least bit ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You have a better memory than me, dude. That's okay. But he writes it on my heart when I need to be able to rattle off something. That comes out. Right. Like, oh. This is eternal life that they may know God. The pray, the word know. It doesn't mean to know about. It doesn't mean to have a head knowledge about. Oh it implies a deep personal relationship. We have. We it. it implies intimacy. And, and I'm going to phrase this for a PG audience, okay? It implies wedding night. That's right. This is eternal life. They may know God. Like, that's crazy to me. It's not knowing about Him, it's about having that intimacy with Him. Come on. That's John 17, that we abide in Him and He abides in us. And that's like Jesus praying, may, may they abide in me, like you and I abide in each other, and they invited us, like this whole oh, whatever type thing. He's abiding us into that. It's it's First John chapter one that they may fellowship with one another as we fellowship with each other. It's this deep personal connection with the Lord that He's inviting us into. That's really hard for people because in order to have intimate intimacy with someone, you've got to let your guard down. You've got to like, you've got to literally trust your heart. When when we got married, it was like she trusted her heart with me and I trusted my heart with her. And, and, it's, and it's been 15 and a half, almost 16 years of trusting one another with this most precious thing that we have. And Jesus is saying, eternal life is trusting right. Him with this most precious part of us because He's not going to hurt it. He's not going to stomp on it. He's not going to get bored. and He's not going to leave, right? He's yeah. not going to do any of these things. He's not going to be like, hey, I found someone new. He, he's saying, I delight in you. And I want you. I want to spend alone time with you. I want you to be intimate with me. I want you to have a personal relationship. And again, we hear personal relationship. It's not just about being like, I profess him as my Savior. It's saying, I'm going to get alone with you and I'm going to spend time with you because you're the most important person. That's in my life. right. That's
1: right. Come
0: on. I know this is a lot today. I know it's a lot. And I know some of you are like, it is crazy. Yeah. If I'm on my right mind, it's for you. But if I'm out of my mind, it's for Christ. Try. Try. Come on. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting because I'm trying to like hold it together. Because I'm telling you, He's inviting us into something. Yeah. yeah. Try. Right. Now, I don't understand this, but like when I say I'm going to recline at the table with Him. Like, you know those scary movies where like someone's there and something comes and drags them by the feet and tries to pull them away? You know very often times that when you try to not necessarily lay down with the Lord, but when you go to get alone with Him, you recognize that something's always going to be trying to pull your attention away from Him. It's going to. It's going to. Turn your phone off. Put it in the other room. Put your iPads, your tablets, put your social media away for just a while, Prom, you know, whatever. Turn it on private mode to where only the most important people in your life can get a hold of you. Not that all of you are important. You're important. But, like, if my wife calls me, like, I, have, I need to answer that. I understand. But there are times when you get there with him, and anything and everything, all of hell is going to try and keep you from doing that. Because the enemy is not afraid of someone that knows about God.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: He's, he's not. The enemy's not afraid that we believe in a triune God It's like, yeah, he's triune God He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit We know that That's wonderful What he's afraid of is people coming to a revelation knowledge yeah. Of, I know him That's right
1: I know him
0: So this one that sold those leaves Is the one of many years before is leaning up against him at that table, rooted in that position. Now I, you know, like, so I can't move. I got a job to do. Right? I think it's a posture of the heart. Yeah. That yeah. I, yeah. Use your imagination. the I think it's a posture of the heart that he's inviting us to to say, I'm just gonna be real near you." Sometimes the most effective prayers that we pray are the. I'll tell you. Help Jesus. I don't have to stand and who and holler that. I say, come, Lord. I need you. Thank you, Jesus. I need you. I'll touch that person. Sometimes it's the most effective thing. How can you pray that way if you know that he's right there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one that sold his leaves was rooted in beloved God.